Kessler here from Grunthal. Paul Kingsley with the 30-second board to five. Brian, the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallup. Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. Fox Racing Canada, Phoenix Handlebars, Guts Racing, Throttle Timepieces, Get Shit Done Coffee, Reverend Motors, 204 Skate Shop, and Throttle Syndicate make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Fox Racing Canada, as well as Phoenix Handlebars. Fox Racing Canada has the best gear head to toe, whether it's on the track, off the track. Let's be honest, don't kid yourself. It's Fox and then everybody else. Go check out your local dealer, ask to see the catalog, or go online first at foxracing.ca and find yourself what you need for this season. Get yourself protected and looking good with Fox Racing Canada. Phoenix Handlebars is also one of the companies that we work with. And Jason over there, Jason Gerald over at Phoenix Handlebars, is a hard on his sleeve kind of guy who owns a company who cares about the people who buy from him. It's a small company that is getting bigger by the day. They do a fantastic job. They do awesome bar pads. They have great bar bends. They have a, a custom uh, bar bend generator. You go through their survey and you can figure out exactly uh, how what bars are right for you. And if I'm not mistaken, just by going through that survey and figuring out what bars are right for you, get a 15% discount. So you're going to save some money and you're going to get the right bars. So go check those guys out. PhoenixHandlebars.com. Jason would appreciate anybody who goes and does so. Maybe if you're uh, checking out, you can uh, put in the comments that you, that big MX radio sent you and maybe he'll send me a text saying, thank you. But, uh, Wanted to jump on the podcast right here. We're going to have Derek Sue Schuster coming on the podcast in just a few minutes. Uh, but before we do, let's talk about some things that are sort of in the news with uh, with Monster Energy, Supercross wrapping up, a couple of championships being handed out, as well as uh, used to be Lucas Oil Pro Motocross AMA Nationals is now the Monster Energy Drink Pro, uh, Pro Motocross AMA Nationals. Which is uh, uh, coming this weekend or this in a couple of weeks' time. In fact, I believe it's uh, just over uh, 10 days from now. We will be uh, round one at Fox Raceway, which is uh, in Paula, California. They're actually going to that track twice this year, which I love Fox Raceway. I've been able to ride it a few times. Uh, personally, not my favorite track on the series. I think that's uh, that's like first and foremost, it's Spring Creek slash Millville. Uh, it's that track and then it's every other track on the series. Uh, I think um, somewhere down the line uh, after I moved to Calgary to be with my beautiful girlfriend Deanna in uh, in July. Uh, maybe not this year because it's July 23rd this year, uh, but years years to come, uh, I'll be uh, heading down. Her and I will be heading down to the Washougal National. It's only about a 12-hour drive from Calgary. Got to go check that out. It's uh, just such a picturesque track. Um, but when it comes to AMA Nationals, it's uh, the gold standard is Millville. It has the hills, it has the humidity, it has the soil, it has the sand whoops, it has the diversity of different types of terrain. And uh, driving up to it, you're driving through these beautiful fields um, and you just sort of like... you kind of just you're kind of winding your way through this beautiful wooded area and all of a sudden it just like opens up to be uh, Spring Creek MX Park and it's absolutely gorgeous and I suggest anybody who's going to a national uh, whether you're flying to one or driving to one uh, it's worth the trip to go to Millville uh, I hope to go back there one day and uh, the first round of the Triple Crown series drops just one week after that June 5th and 6th um, will be I think the 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 national is on the the this the fifth Kamloops BC BC stands for bring cash you're gonna need it and uh, it's a beautiful track I haven't been to it myself but I've seen a, a ton of amazing pictures um, 
Kamloops is a very picturesque area. Uh, and then after that, uh, only a week time after that, they descend on Drumheller, which is a track that I got to uh, ride about a month ago. Uh, I was uh, pretty rusty at the time, so I don't really feel like I got a really a great feel for uh, the layout of Drumheller, but uh, it looked like an awesome track. Lots of uh, flowy jumps, some absolute booters out there that are, that are going to uh, create some pretty spectacular sights and sounds when you guys are watching on uh, the ride TV network, uh, which is uh, the broadcast service that you can see the Canadian Nationals on. And for the first time this year, um, basically exclusively, um, the, uh, the American Nationals are going to be on MAV TV. You, uh, three of those races are also going to be available on NBC, but uh, MAV TV, it's a different app, but it's not expensive. You'll be able to watch all those, uh, all those races on MAV TV. So go check that out. Looking forward to signing myself up for that and uh, seeing some new faces or at least some some familiar faces coming back as well as a legend in uh, Antonio Caroli racing the Nationals. Uh, the guy's an absolute, he's a legend. Uh, he's nine-time MXGP champion. Um, he's like, as far as we want to talk about Mount Rushmore of motocross, he's certainly beyond there. I guess if you're wanting Mount Rushmore to be an only an American thing, I guess he's excluded. But the 222 on the KTM is uh, is next level, and it's just cool for him to be there. I don't think he's going to be uh, threatening for wins. I think uh, if he had come over in the prime of his career, I think he has a, a much higher chance of uh, competing for wins. Uh, but it'll be cool, still cool to see him out there. Uh, it'll be cool storylines. And same thing with uh, a returning champion in Ryan Dungey. The number five is back on after a number of years of toiling with whether or not to come back out of retirement. I remember hearing stories back in 2017 even, uh, or 18 rather, uh, of Dungey being just beside himself, just kind of stir crazy about wanting to ride calling up Carlos to get a bike set up for him to ride some supercross. Uh, in 2018 was the first year he didn't race and he was just like wanting to champ at it. And I remember a conversation that, that he was having uh, at the, uh, the ride, the a one ride, uh, mountain bike ride the day after a one, uh, at the luge with between him and, uh, um, Ryan Villapoto where they're both cracking on each other. Well, let's be honest. Ryan Villapoto was cracking on, uh, on Dunge. Dunge is a little bit more mild mannered and, uh, soft spoken. But uh, they were just talking about how they're all super bored and needed to get back to it. And uh, honestly, at that point, I knew at some point Ryan Dungey comes back. Uh, did I think it was going to be this long before he came back and did some racing? No, I thought it would be a little bit quicker. Uh, obviously, this will be his fifth season since racing uh, outdoors because he didn't race outdoors in 2017. Uh, but I'm excited to see the five back. If he's in shape and, uh, and on pace I, and he wants to race the entire summer, like, I would not put it out of a realm of possibility that he wins some races. Uh, maybe not a couple of overalls. Um, jumping back into the series is going to be difficult, but he's going to be a podium guy. He's never not been a podium guy when it comes to uh, racing outdoors on a 450. In fact, he won uh, the championship his first year in the series and then again in 2012. Uh, and then I believe his last championship in that series was in uh, 2015. Um, so it's been a while since he won that championship, but it hasn't been that long since he won some races. So I would expect him to have some really, really strong showings, uh, on the KTM brand new bike. Uh, he's a, he's a big, strong guy. And from what I've heard from guys like Malcolm Stewart, the bike, the bike thrives with a little bit of a bigger guy on it, which is probably why Cooper Webb, uh, struggles with that bike. Cause he's pretty slight. He's pretty small, but, um, that's the, the lay of that land. Uh, the Canadian series is going to kick off a week after that. Um, like I said, ride TV, ride is spelt with a Y for some reason. Um, so I would check that out. Uh, it's going to be fantastic all year long. Uh, that series is not only going outdoors, but it's also supercross and then wrapping up in the fall with some arena cross series, which, uh, descends on Calgary, Alberta, uh, my, my new hometown as of uh, about six weeks from now, which will be, uh, um, I'll hopefully be in attendance for that race. So we'll be looking forward to that as well. Um, so without further ado, we're not too long into this, but, uh, wanted to throw things over to Derek Schuster from GDR Honda. Enjoy this interview as much as I did in, uh, recording it. It was a great conversation. So, uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it as well. Thanks. Welcome to the Big MX radio podcast brought to you by 
Fox Racing Canada. Check out your local dealer. Pound on the desk. Ask to see the catalog for Fox Racing Canada. They are the main sponsor for the Big MX Radio podcast. Also with us on the line is... um, Phoenix Handlebars. Phoenix Handlebars are fantastic. Uh, Jason down in California is the guy who handles every single one of your orders. He wraps them himself and uh, sends them out with care. Uh, You're not going to find a company in motocross that cares more about the people who buy from them than Phoenix Handlebars. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. I'm on all of these podcasts, this being, I believe, episode 852 of Big MX Radio. With me on the line, first time on the podcast, but I feel like he's going to be on again as we uh, roll through this summer of, uh, of racing Canadian Nationals. The Triple Crown Series is set to take off in just a few weeks here. The big boss with the hot sauce over at GDR Honda, Derek Schuster. Derek, how's it going? Hey, good. How are you doing? Hey, not doing too bad, man. It's uh, it's a beautiful day here in Winnipeg. I'm uh, I'm I'm champing at the bit to talk some moto, and who better than someone who's been around the sport as long as you? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Like you said, it's first time on, and uh, just busy getting everything ready for the start of the season here. So just make a little time tonight uh, to chat with you and get caught up. Absolutely. And so I, I've had both of your star athletes on the podcast before within the last calendar year. Uh, our, my, my fellow, uh, I guess it's not countrymen, they're, they're both countrymen, but uh, my, uh, a local kid, local product, which is rare for Manitoba, in Ryder McNabb. The kid is an absolute stud and also uh, well-mannered, an absolute goofball, cartoon character, and everything else in between. He's your 250 talent. And then uh, uh, maybe a little bit lesser-known guy. He runs the number one on his bike more often than not. Uh, Dylan Wright. Uh, like these, these two guys are absolute superstars, and uh, you've got them under the tent. Yeah, I mean... They're both pretty amazing guys. Um, Ryder, he's pretty young. He's uh, 16, and uh, he's an up-and-comer. And I think the two guys together make a great fit because Dylan started out on our team as a young guy, and <clears throat> he kind of uh, got taken under Colton's wing, and now I see him doing those exact same things with Ryder, and uh, it's a really good fit with the two guys. And, I mean, outside of how good they fit, I think it's safe to say that they're both uh, title contenders in their respective classes for this year. Oh, Lord knows they both uh, held the red plate uh, certain times uh, during last year. Of course, uh, Dylan having it all the way down to the wire uh, and winning that championship. He's going to be running the number one this year. And uh, you've, you've got a, a number of championships over at GDR Honda. And so for, the, for those who be, may be listening that are not uh, uh, students of the sport like I am, some maybe somebody who isn't as familiar with GDR Honda as they need to be, um, give us the lowdown. Give me the, uh, the, the timeline of... Uh, of this team sort of uh, coming to fruition uh, and becoming maybe one of the, as far as like team wise, kind of the gold standard as far as north of the border goes, you guys have been knocking down championships and uh, and being contenders uh, basically since uh, you guys first came out with uh, some pretty good looking bikes. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, we started uh, with Honda in 2012 with Tyler Medallia and. Um, I guess we've just completed 10 seasons with Hondas and they've been pretty successful. Uh, we've got, uh, we've racked up some wins and podiums and overalls and uh, seven overall championships. So yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, I feel like usually we go into most seasons being fairly competitive and having guys that uh, would be considered title contenders. Obviously there's some years where you have injuries or, or that kind of thing, but I feel like for the most part, every year we're, we're in it and, right down to the end uh, in at least one of the two classes. Well, there you go. And yeah, so like um, coming through the years, uh, you've had some great riders. Uh, Colton Fasciati, his jersey is literally hanging behind me right now. Uh, He's among the names as far as the Canadian Mount Rushmore of of motocross racers. Um, He had a long, illustrious career, um, battled back from a number of injuries, um, and you, you as a team manager, as like the, someone who's uh, calling the shots and, and seeing these kids uh, risk it 
absolute like to the absolute limit uh and seeing these guys come back from from injuries like you saw with uh well you've seen with uh with dylan as well but uh the first one that comes to mind is colton um how do you handle stuff like that how do you you sort of like uh manage expectations as far as their ability to come back uh help these kids uh reassured to know that their their place is uh is there for them when they come back to it and uh and, and all that, that kind of goes into uh, the trials and tribulations that can come into uh, a particular motocross season because, um, yeah, like it's, it's one of those things where in motocross you make plans and God laughs and uh, uh, injuries are just part of it. Yeah, for sure. On the injury side of things, <clears throat> I think, you know, I'm sure that I've dealt with an injury from every single guy that we've ever had on the team. Obviously, those are in, you know, from – from very small minor things to a lot more major ones. So I think with that being said, you have to handle each one differently. When did it happen during the season? Is it preseason? Is it during the season? Um, how serious is it? So th- there's so many factors to take into place on how you're going to manage that injury. Um, so we definitely look into that. And I-, I think even the rider plays a factor in that a little bit as well. How does that rider handle injuries? I, I mean, a good example would be Dylan, he's of the type where he might not even want to tell you that something's bugging him or he's injured and, and want to try and ride through it anyways and not even let anybody know what's going on. I think he's gotten a little bit smarter with that in the last few years. But um, with a guy like that, sometimes you have to rein, in the, rein him in a little bit and remind him that uh, it's important to manage the injury and not just uh, run with it and think that uh, you can do everything like you're uninjured. And I think he learned that from... Colton somewhat as well. I mean, I watched Colton battle through a lot of injuries, but he did in a lot of smart ways where maybe he'd limit his riding or training or um, how he'd go about his therapy and all that type of stuff. So I think, uh, yeah, with each situation on the injury side of things, there's just so many different variables on how you'd handle it. Certainly. And mentorship is absolutely key. And then I'm assuming, I'm assuming you yourself also have gotten better at what you do over the years, seeing how you handle things in the past, how you might uh, handle things differently moving forward. Uh, how do you feel like you've grown as a, as a professional within this team? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'd like to sit here and tell you that uh, I'm doing things now exactly the same way as I did them 10 years ago, but that's obviously not the case. I mean, I'd like to think that I've, I've learned along the way quite a few different things on how to handle different situations and on how to handle the guys and go about that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think no different than the way a rider evolves through his career. I, I think that I've done the same thing. And um, it probably just adds a little bit more of a steady element to the team as well, just because um, the guys know I've been around for a while doing this and, I've seen a lot of things over those years and know how to handle a lot of different situations as they come up or maybe early on. I know even with Colt, when he first joined the team, we were kind of unproven at that point in time and we'd never won a championship before or even, I don't even know if we had a 450 podium at that point in time. Or yeah, I guess we had a couple, but um, you know, I've learned a lot since then and you learn a lot from your riders as they're learning from you. And um, yeah, for sure. Because of all that, I think, uh, myself and the team have evolved a ton over that decade. Absolutely. So I'd imagine that you look back on, on welcoming Ryan, the new Flockhart under the tent years previous. Is, is anything you would have changed about that decision, possibly re reconsider that altogether? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, <laughs> if I had a chance to reconsider it, I would have told him he's out right from the get go. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, salty's good. He, he's uh Yeah. He's been a big uh, um, beneficial factor to the team. He, what I like about him is, I think he's been coming. Uh, he's been working for the team since 2018, and I don't know if I've had him do the same thing two years in a row. Um, Mr. Versatility during that, yes, yeah, Swiss Army so, knife. Well, I mean, yeah. What I mean by that, like uh, Justin, for example, our head mechanic. He was Colton's mechanic for six years. Now he's been Dylan's for the last couple since then. Everybody knows what he's doing year after year, but certain years I've had uh, new work as a mechanic. Other years he's been a part-time guy. That's kind of how he started out for me. Um, and then some years I've just had him as our extra guy to help with the mechanics, riders, and 
that's actually what he's going back to this year. So the last two years I had, uh, I had him as Ryder's mechanic, but uh, we felt that now with Ryder with this uh, progressing and that kind of thing that we wanted to move him on to one of my other guys, Braden, uh, who will move into that role. And that will put Newf back into just kind of being our helper under the tent and working with everybody. And I feel like that's probably actually the role that fits Newf best. And he'd probably agree with that. So um, it's great now that I have Braden to move into that other role and uh, kind of have the guys where I want. And I think our crew, we don't have that big of a team, but I think all our guys like play um, a really critical role in what they do and they work great together. So we have Justin and Braden as our two mechanics. Uh, Newf is our extra guy and then uh, Colton. And I mean, he's, I think everybody knows this. I've said it over and over how beneficial he is to the team. Um, the elements that he brings to us, they're, you know, they're pretty amazing. He, he's seen it and done it all as far as a racer goes. So he can talk to the riders, work with them and just kind of help make them feel comfortable on race day. And then he's a very technical guy. And most people know that he's a suspension guy. Now he works with Joe Skid, who's our suspension guy on our team. And just having that suspension guy, the track and doing chassis stuff. I mean, I think it's really helped bring our, bikes up to another level for sure absolutely certainly it's it, it uh having great people around keeping that like a small circle uh, is absolutely paramount um that reminds me of a a project that i did in, uh, in business school where you have to start a business with 15 other people and uh i don't think that's something that should that ever should be done i think it, it's it's it needs to be a tight nucleus where people can work together and you've certainly cultivated that with gdr honda um this series kicks off in just a couple of weeks' time. Uh, you guys are champing at the bit to head out to uh, to Kamloops. Uh, but before you guys do that, this last weekend, uh, you guys hosted a, uh, a basically a press release, rider release for the whole team. It was extremely professionally done. You guys were sharp-dressed men, um, putting your best foot forward, moving into 2022. Uh, explain the reasoning behind uh, doing such a professional job of uh, of basically announcing the team um, and, and honestly the, the arrival of, of maybe the most preeminent team in Canadian motocross the last few years. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really cool. I'm so happy with how it turned out, but basically the idea behind it was we've dealt with some restrictions, obviously the last two years with COVID. Um, I felt that there was maybe like a bit of a disconnect between the team and fans and media and all that kind of stuff. And maybe not just ours, like, you know, across the board. And I felt like we're kind of going back into a little bit more of what I would consider a normal season. So I really wanted to just kind of kick things off properly rather than do a photo shoot, but not really be in front of the press or that kind of thing until we get to round one. So I wanted to do something before that. So I told the guys early on that we're going to put a press launch together and it'd be somewhere around when our photo shoot was. So we could kind of take care of everything at once. Um, and that's what we did. So we invited the media in. we had some uh, guys ride our bikes. We incorporated our photo shoot into it. So they're back to back days. Uh, we had a lot of our sponsors show up and uh, be here for the event and check things out. And I think it's great too, because you know, some of these guys, they're, um, working with the team regularly supporting us and all that kind of stuff, but they're not really necessarily around the team from a hands-on standpoint. So I thought it was cool for them to kind of be here and sit through the event and see everything that happened and meet everybody and, and all that sort of stuff. And obviously you mentioned uh, they were dressed well. We have a new sponsor on the team called Graphic. It's a clothing company in Vaughan, just uh, outside of Toronto. And, um, they uh, they had everybody looking really good, so I thought that was kind of cool and just uh, added a little bit of a different element to the day for sure. And um, yeah, it was really fun. I think the guys actually enjoyed it too. Like, didn't really know what to expect when I first told them uh, what the plan was, but by the end of the day, they're like, "Yeah, that was really cool. It was nice to do something like that rather than just the standard two day photo shoot that we uh, normally do." 
yeah, like I said, I, th- I think it was really, really well done. You guys had uh, uh, Danica White out there from Fox Racing Canada come out as well, and uh, she said she had great reviews on it. Um, and that's where actually I, I saw it first, and that's uh, really, really cool to see. Uh, and speaking of uh, your, your awesome sponsors, uh, you guys have been head to toe, uh, as far as I know, from Fox for a number of years now. Tell me a little bit about working with those guys, uh, JC Sites, and, and uh, that whole team, um, and uh, making sure that uh, both Dylan and Ryder are uh, are looking good on race day and well protected. Yeah, I mean <clears throat> they're amazing over there, and I I don't even know if I can describe how um, how much they've done for the team, and uh, not seem like I'm downplaying it, but um, just an amazing brand to work with. Um, the team's been down to the head office a few times in Irvine, and uh, the way they take care of us, the way they always have the guys look in the way they really make us feel like part of their Fox family. It's just unbelievable. uh, Everything that they've done for us. And because of all that stuff, like I feel like uh, they're a huge factor into us um, winning a lot of these races and championships. They've been a a major key part of it. So I, uh, I really appreciate them and everything that they're always doing for us. Absolutely. Plus uh, looking good. I think there's, there's like, I don't care who you are. Go ahead. Like as a kid, like what what kid doesn't want to be like decked out in fox gear head to toe, right? Oh I mean, yeah, it was gold the standard. Stuff always looks so good, and yeah, for myself as a kid, like of course I always wanted to wear fox gear, and I know even like when Dylan came to the team in 2017, I know like one of the things he was really excited about was like I'm going to be back in fox gear. He wore it as an amateur, and he was really excited about it. Um, and, you know, even a guy like Colton, who doesn't really get excited about too much, he always liked being in Fox gear. And I remember when we switched to Fox gear after the first two seasons that he was on the team, it was something that, like, really excited him. And I can tell you that's a guy that doesn't get excited about too many things. Oh, yeah. No, uh, like, he's he's a man of few words. But to turn to be able to finish off your career in the gear that he started with back when he turned pro uh, on a 252 stroke, if I'm not mistaken, number, I think it was, was he 86? Or was that? I think 89 on a one. 89. That's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, what number uh, uh, Brady Sharon used to run. Uh, I think eight, uh, he might have been 89. But uh, yeah, those guys wore Fox even, even back when... Uh, um, when Colton was on Cowies, he, he, in like 2004, uh, he ran Fox. So, uh, yeah, him, for him to be able to finish off his career in Fox, that was probably a cool thing. And, uh, yeah, I don't care who you are, uh, whether you're an RJ fan, a McGrath fan, a, uh, Ricky Carmichael fan, um, it's, it's Fox and it's, and then it's everybody else, uh, in my eyes. And that's why I've always worn it as a kid. Um, like that, some of my favorite kits I've ever worn from, from Fox. So it's, it's good to see that you guys are with those guys and also good to see that it's, it's a good partnership and that they treat you guys well it's not just a sponsorship um they're they're an integral part of your team yeah i'm just thinking those guys you just named rj mcgrath carmichael like when i think of those guys i think of like fox and honda and i think those two brands go together so well and again like i look at honda's that same brand as a young kid like most kids you know they want to ride a honda and they want to wear fox gear and i feel like for guys coming to our team that's like a really special thing for them to do. And it is for me as well to be able to work with those two brands. I just look at them as, as two companies that have been a huge part of the sport for a long time. They're, you know, like I I think about winning with those brands and yeah, I I think they're just awesome, awesome companies to work with. Absolutely. You want to uh, collect those little fox head stickers as a kid, just seeing those things where it won the, on the back of RC's jersey or, or Stewart's jersey. Yeah. It was just that's like that's <laughs> the pinnacle. In fact, I think the the jersey behind me has four of them on there. So it must have been mid season when uh, when Colt was racking up some. It's number forty five jersey, the Flex Air. I'm not sure if he was allowed to give that out, but I have it anyway. Yeah, uh, the, I mean, for us, it's the same thing to be able to be. Uh putting those Fox crossbones on mid season. That's what it's all about for us. 
totally, man. Um, so let, let's talk about the athletes. Let's talk about, we, we kind of touched on them a little bit, but Ryder McNabb, how did you guys come across this kid? And and for those who don't know, for those who might be listening from the U.S., uh, you can turn pro in, in the U.S., 16 years old. Uh, in Canada, it can be 14 years old. And this kid was, he's like, he's, he's filled out a little bit now, but he's probably wearing size 28 uh, fox pants when the first time he lined up for a pro moto uh still didn't have peach fuzz on his chin um and 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 he kind of like I, he, I, you guys sort of uh, got him from uh he was with kawasaki for the longest time and then he was with uh, uh ktm right at the end of his amateur career in fact he was still an amateur racing with you guys tell me a little bit about uh, a little bit more about Ryder mcnab and uh, how this manitoba sensation has taken on uh the the world of canadian motocross and really made a name for himself yeah he actually started in 28 youth pants when uh he that's amazing nationals and I think midway through the season, switched to 28 adults. But, okay, with Ryder, I need to go way back here yep. first because um, I think, um, yeah, that's where I want to start with it. So the first time I met him, for those who don't know, I also own Gopher Dunes, which is a motocross track here in Ontario. It's about two hours from Walton Raceway where the TransCan Amateur Nationals are held every year. And the McNabs would always come race Walton every year. And I'd seen Ryder there as a 50 rider and 65 and that kind of thing. And because we go there and watch the race amateur stuff during the week. And there was paying attention to kids at the top of the class. And the first time I had met Ryder, his family showed up here um, to do a little bit of riding a week or two before TransCan. And for those who don't know, Ryder's dad's in a wheelchair. He's paraplegic. And right. um, so this young kid i don't even know how old he would have been at the time i couldn't tell you eight nine ten years old somewhere around there comes walking in the shop with a credit card pulls a bunch of oil and lubricants off a wall puts them up at the counter says he's here to ride has his minor waiver forms filled out already and says that he needs to be filled up with water as well for his rv and i just kind of caught off guard i i wasn't the one signing him in but whoever was behind the counter at the time was helping him out and I just thought that was uh, so mature of this young kid that walked inside. And I didn't really know much about a situation or anything like that. And um, I watched him after running the garden hose out, filling this RV up and doing all this stuff. And I was just blown away at all this stuff that this young kid was doing, unloading his dirt bikes and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, it was kind of shocking. So I didn't really talk to him at that point in time, but fast forward a couple times over the next few years, I'd, run into them here and there a little bit at TransCan and um, got to know them a little bit better because they did come back to Gopher Dunes ride a couple more times here and there over the years. And uh, when we really got talking was the summer of 2019. And we were dominating pretty good that summer. We had uh, Dylan in the 250 class. He was winning almost every weekend. We had Colton and Michael Essie in the 450 class and they ended up finishing 1-2 in the 450 championship and battled their right down to the final moto for the championship. But I knew as soon as that season was over, there was going to be a lot of shifting happening with the team. I knew Mike wouldn't be back in Canada likely the next year. Um, Colton was going to be retiring. Dylan was likely going to be due to move up to the 450 class. So um, I was just starting to look at what my options were for the 250 class and that really got me thinking about what's the plan for the future here. Like these guys are moving around and I need to be ready for the 2020 season, but I need to kind of have things ready for beyond that as well. And I've been talking to a few other guys, Marco Canella and Tanner Ward and your typical guys that um, we're going to kind of be looked at as the next guys in the 250 class. But um, I just, there's something about Ryder. I'm like, man, I'd like to get him on a, on the team I didn't even know at that time what the plan would be going forward. Would he stay amateur for a year? I didn't know, but I knew I wanted him on the team. And I spoke with his dad quite a bit throughout that week, spent some time with Ryder, and uh, invited them back to um, do some riding and stuff after Walton and just kind of like feel him out a little bit more and allow them to feel me a little bit more and see what we're all about at Gopher Dunes here and GDR. And um, basically what happened was I came back here and, did some riding. We put him on a 250, and I didn't really at that point even know what the plan would be with him. But I just knew that uh, I knew I wanted to make it work out, and we ended up 
sorting a deal out and signing him for the next year. And we decided right then and there that uh, the goal would be to allow him to race as an intermediate rider in the pro class, the, the 250 class or the pro-am class here. So right. you basically get to do that as a 14-year-old, but we could also allow him to do the amateur days on the Saturday, race the Sunday. So it was a good fit. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how we made it all happen. And now, I mean, fast forward a couple of years, he's won some races for us. And now he, I'd say, is going into 2022 as a title contender as a 16-year-old. That he is, and like he led the points last year, um, like I think a couple of times, and, and it was honestly it was very surprising because you didn't, I didn't expect him to take that step, and I don't think that maybe the only person who thought that he would was probably him, just because of that. Like the kid's been winning races ever since I like, for, I think the first time I uh, announced his races, uh, he was uh, on a on a fifty Cobra. Um, and he, he's just, he's always won. He's always had that next level talent and, and, and he's always had good starts. Um, seeing him last year and seeing how quickly he matured into that, I think this year coming up, he's going to be a force to reckon with in the 250 class, uh, no matter who he faces. For sure. Um, I think last year was, I mean, he's learned a lot over the last two years for sure, but um, in different ways. The first year was, about just learning how to become a pro and start treating this as a job. And I think he did great with that and made some big strides. And last year was then taking that and then learning about winning, learning what it's like to manage a race day when you can be the fastest guy, learning what it's like to carry the red plate for a weekend or two, all that kind of stuff. And, I think he handled it all very well. He didn't end up coming away with the championship last year, but he's very close. Um, so I think what we'll see this year is him take that stuff and carry it into a new year and just be a little bit more mature again and uh, hopefully come away with the championship. I know that's his goal. That's the team's goal. Um, I try not to put too much pressure on him myself because I know he puts a lot on himself already. And he's got a ton of drive to win. So um, I think for me, it comes down to just making sure I manage that and uh, help him along the way with it. Absolutely. No, I, th- I think uh, you've put him in the right position and just let the chips fall where they may. Like, uh, I think he's got good potential. I think he knows he's got potential to to, to do some really special things and uh, just to let that happen. Um, like, I think that's the best way to go about it. Um, what about uh, the champ? The kid with the number one on his, on his bike, uh, I think he's if he's not married, is he's at least uh, engaged. Tell me about Dylan Wright and uh, like his progression. And if you don't tell the story about him riding with his bike half falling apart, I, I don't want you to. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to remember that when we get there. And yeah, he is engaged. He's getting married later this summer. Um, they put their wedding off twice now because of COVID. Uh, they Love wanted it. to have guests at their wedding, and it's been a little bit of a struggle. So I didn't get the invite, um, but that's cool. A- <laughs> uh yeah so going back with dylan he joined the team in uh for the 2017 season uh he was 24 now i don't even know how old he was then he was quite young still at the time and um you know he he was a young kid coming to the team but i give him a lot of credit too he i remember having some meetings with him at walton again the last round and him showing up at my place making the six hour drive from his place to have some meetings in the off season and I remember him being a young kid showing up negotiating his deal with me and um, doing a pretty good job with that stuff. And um, I just remember seeing a ton of talent in him right away. We let him test the bike out, that kind of thing. And I was super excited, but I, I think it's safe to say the first season didn't probably go exactly how he wanted it to go or how I was hoping it would go for him. Um, I think we both learned that there's still like a little bit of a learning curve for him at that point in time with his career. And he had some work to do. Uh, we had some work to do with the bikes, all that kind of stuff. So he, uh, I think he got a moto winner too, maybe late in the year, but maybe just wasn't, you know, riding at his true potential, I'd say. So I felt like we regrouped in the off season, but it was a bit of a struggle again because, Anna came out with a new bike at that time and we had some growing pains with it. 
uh, going into 2018 season, we had a few uh, DNFs early on. A couple were issues of ours. A couple were uh, just fluke accidents, like a, a rock going through a radiator, that kind of thing. Um, I remember we just, I don't know what you want to call it, but it was like a bit of a coming to Jesus moment, I guess, at our Gopher Dunes round that year. And him and I were not seeing eye to eye at the time. And uh, I think he was frustrated with his results and probably the team and the bike a little bit as well because of that. We were a little bit frustrated with him. And uh, it just made it a little bit of a challenge. And, you know, that weekend I felt like, the team was button heads with him. He's button heads with his dad back and forth. And everybody was kind of just butting heads a little bit. And we just had to sit down and kind of like went through everything, talked it out and said, that's like, we need to regroup here moving forward, like going into East. And we need, uh, we need to turn the ship around a little bit. And this is where I give him a ton of credit. I mean, of course the team put in some work and we made some changes and that kind of thing. But like for the rider, that's a tough thing to do mid season, just, you know, make some change in your program and all that kind of stuff and turn it around. And I know at that time, like I even had some buddies, we were already talking about um, contracts. I, I I remember Galdi and Noof and a couple other guys in the group chat telling me they'd think I was crazy if I re-signed them again for the next year. And Dylan wanted to get a deal done before the end of that season. And so I said, you know what, I've committed this guy for this last year and a half. I'm going to get this deal done now because I think we can make some progress here. So I actually ended up re-signing him to a new deal right then and there. And uh, it's funny because it just at that point, things started clicking. And I think he won like the last four straight nationals that year and really ended the season on a high. Um, so he missed the championship, obviously, by a little ways, uh, just for, with some of his bad luck early on. but. Um, I just felt like we had some serious momentum going into the off season. And I told them like, let's try and um, finish out this 250 thing strong. Cause we'd already been throwing around the idea of maybe moving up to the 450 class after 2019. Um, so that's, that's what we did. Like he went and he won those rounds. We put in some serious work that off season. Um, he just, he worked really hard going into 2019. I felt at that point in time, he also that one of the other changes he made was felt like when he was talking and listening to Colton, he wasn't maybe taking everything Colton had to say too seriously, or he'd tell him that he'd work on that, but like maybe wouldn't really commit to like what they had talked about. And I think at that point he just, you know, went all in on, on what uh, he was doing and they trained a lot together that winter. And I mean, I'd have to think that 2019 was probably one of the more, dominant seasons we've seen from a 250 guy over the years for sure because I just feel like that um that season he was unstoppable and obviously you hinted earlier about the race where his bike was falling apart basically what happened is his subframe broke in Prince George and it just started coming off the bike and I, I know there's pictures out there where I think the bike was just the subframe in the last couple laps was being held on pretty much by the wiring harness and a couple of other things. The throttle body wasn't even on the air boot anymore. Um, so it's unbelievable that, that that bike made it to finish. He was leading at the time and we were freaking out on the side of the track, trying to get him to slow down and just nurse the thing to the finish and not jump it. So he finally started doing that and finished fourth with uh, the subframe hanging off the thing and, pretty remarkable that he was able to nurse it in like that. And I think like for us, um, that was like a sign of like a maturing kid because the way he changed what he was doing on the track and just figured out a way to get it to the finish line um, was pretty impressive. And I think from that point in time, if you look at his career where it's gone, he won that 250 championship. He moves up to 450. He wins that championship as a rookie. He's pretty dominant. He, comes in the last year wins wins the championship again backs up his uh first 450 championship with another one and I, I think last year was probably his most challenging of those three championships and a lot of it probably was by his own doing um he didn't do himself any favors with starts first turn crashes pileups some untimely crashes for maybe trying too hard mid moto that kind of thing um 
So that was that was a challenge for him. And there was times throughout the year he was frustrated. And there's times where I maybe thought he had thrown away the championship um, just from big crashes and get offs. But I will tell you that I don't know if I've ever seen somebody like battle through adversity like he can. And he definitely did that. He had some knee injury stuff he was dealing with. And um, yeah, that, that one was a hard, hard fought championship. And uh, I'm pretty proud of him that uh, he was able to still walk away with it. There you go, man. Like the kid uh, has his heart on his sleeve, and uh, he always puts in an honest effort. And then I think that's what can is uh, what most can be said about Dylan Wright. Uh, two comments on that ridiculous moto uh, in like where he had the bike falling apart. Firstly, um, how do you feel if you like? How would you have felt if you got fifth in that moto, come across the line and see that's who beat you? Man, I. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you probably want to protest him, I guess, because I know there were some people not happy that uh, he was able to uh, finish that moto and not lose any points because obviously his muffler wasn't hanging on properly anymore or that kind of thing. Right. Um, obviously, at that point in time, I'm doing everything I can to make sure he's not docked those positions, just like any team editor is going to do for their rider. But right. uh, yeah, it... Uh, probably be a little disheartening seeing that for sure <laughs> there's three guarantees in canadian moto death taxes and uh someone will protest somebody uh throughout the season um and then also on top of that like i, I this is something that just as a general comment for like professional motocross races in general is like whether it's whether your bike is half falling apart throttle body not connected to anything anymore is still going like or it's just a hellacial mutter the fact that these guys, like, I'm, like, mid-level B guy. Been racing since I was 10 years old. The fact that no matter what the conditions on the bike or the track, those guys still find a way to turn faster lap times than I can in the dry when I'm at full power. I mean lap two of my three-lap moto. For sure. It's you know what I mean? Impressive. And I mean, I know exactly what you mean. And, and actually, just everything you just spoke of there actually reminds me of another story from that year. Okay. Um, it was actually the next round after Prince George, I believe, or maybe two rounds later, we had a mud race and a protest that we dealt with all in one day. And basically what happened, it ended up being a one moto format that day. Cause it was a big time mud race in Manitoba. And the start was extremely muddy and kind of grassy. So super slippery and Dylan kind of got shoved off the track a little bit, comes back on. I mean, course i'm going to say he didn't gain any time or positions other people were saying he gained positions and um he ended up getting docked i think uh, four or five positions at the end of the moto but what was frustrating for me was he had actually lapped everybody but second place in that moto and he finished in second place was jess pettis and he finished like a minute and 40 seconds ahead of jess and i felt that when you when you finish like five minutes ahead of the person that you're getting put behind the fourth place guy, I don't think it's fair to subtract that many positions for being off the track for right. a second or less. And um, it was really frustrating at the time, but at the end, and you know he had his win taken away. But at the end of the day, it didn't really affect, affect him as far as the championship goes. But you're always going to battle for every point, so we were pretty disappointed that time, but. Regardless of him actually having that win taken away, that probably would be the most impressive moto I've ever seen from him. He maybe started around sixth or seventh place, and like I said, finished over a minute and thirty ahead of second. Yeah, I remember that moto. I was uh, I was taking photos in the rain. I was absolutely drenched. I think that's the same day that I got the jersey that's sitting behind me, uh, and that was just a gutsy performance. When everyone else was just floundering in the mud, it was just slogging, paddling with the feet, uh, you name it. Bikes letting go left, right, and center. Um, yeah, if if Dylan uh, saved himself a half a second, two seconds of time, I don't know that uh, uh, five minutes is the appropriate penalty. That might be uh, squashing a mosquito with a bazooka. Um, but uh, in the end, it didn't matter. So uh, I guess that's all that uh, that does matter. Yeah, for sure. I think even that day, the 450 guys would have wanted no part of him on the track. His, his speed was unbelievable that day. 
No doubt. And they, they won't want any of it this year as well. Uh, Derek, this has been awesome. I uh, really appreciate you giving me some time today to talk about uh, your team uh, and uh, the riders on it, as well as a little bit of the history of the team. Uh, last question I have for you before I let you go here on the Big MX Radio podcast brought to you by Fox Racing Canada is what needs to happen this summer in order for you to look back on, on it in uh, in November, right around my birthday, and uh, and 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 be be happy and satisfied with how the the season went with Triple Crown Series. <laughs> That's a it's easy to answer in one way, but tough in another. I mean, the easy answer is uh, both championships. We want to win the 250 class and the 450 class, and. Um, I say that because I think both guys are totally capable of doing it. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't pick expectations that are too high for us to reach, but I think that's totally doable and within our reach. I think both guys are ready for it. But that being said, the reason why it's tough to answer is because there's so many factors in motocross and things that can happen and uh, the way things can go in the sport, injuries and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, that's why it's hard to sometimes say championship or bust because there's so many different ways a series can go um, and factors and variables that can play into it. Yeah, no, no that's fair. That's a fair answer. Uh, I think uh, like it's a it's a politically correct answer, but I, I think what I'm hearing is that uh, in, in all reality, uh, winning is the goal. It's always the goal. Um and and sometimes in 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 motocross certainly uh, things are out of your control. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you guys are able to execute at the level you're expecting to, uh, be adding some hardware to uh, to the uh, that beautiful garage you guys have with uh, quite a number of championship bikes. Uh, this podcaster is quite jealous. Yeah, I think um, at the end of the day we go to races to win them and to win championships, and that's definitely the goal for us this year for sure. Is to uh, add a couple championship bikes to that fleet. Awesome, man. Well, appreciate you making some time here for the Big MX Radio podcast brought to you by Fox Racing Canada. Uh, do not hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, let's cut it off right there. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Perfect. Dude, that was awesome. 41 minutes of gold. Okay, sweet. I'm glad you liked it. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. Great conversation with Derek Schuster from the GDR Honda team. These guys were our uh, top flight team and uh, couldn't have been happier to have had Derek on to talk about the team and get people excited about Canadian Moto. Uh, the series is fantastic. Some top tier talent. Uh, it's extremely uh, hotly contested every single year, and this year looks to be as uh, the best year in, in quite some time. Um, like, hopefully, there's uh, good weather at all the rounds. They've got great tracks. One's coming to Manitoba. I actually won't be in uh, in town for that particular race, uh, but that's great to see a national come back to the great province of Manitoba, um, where Ryder McNabb has an opportunity to win a race in his hometown. That'd be awesome um hopefully if you guys are uh, in the need for some brand new motocross gear you'll uh, go to your local dealer and uh, look at the offerings from fox racing canada whether it's a uh, top flight helmet or their amazing boots they've got great boots as well as uh, highly protective and vented and flexible gear um you want to be wearing fox uh just because they make the best stuff Sim simple as, as you can say it uh so go check that out Look for Fox at your local dealer. They're a huge sponsor of the Big MX Radio podcast. They make these things go and they make these things possible. Uh, so appreciate those guys. Same thing with Phoenix Handlebars and Guts Racing USA. Andy Gregg over at Guts does a fantastic job helping us make these uh, podcasts happen. Uh, so do him a favor by uh, ordering yourself up a brand new seat cover uh, or a, a complete seat. They have uh, seat bases, you name it. So uh, go check that out, guys. And uh, yeah, as always. Thanks for listening.